Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. All too often, the world sees and hears these hate-filled statements coming from believers. It might be emails, it might be blogs, it might be Facebook posts, yeah, and it might be even sermons. Coming from those who profess to be children of God, ambassadors of Christ to a lost and dying world. But beloved, that's not the spirit of Christ that's flowing through them. That is the spirit of the world. The psalmist declared, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, O Lord. The spirit of this world is the same spirit that causes fallen men to behave selfishly, greedily, and in an unloving, judgmental way. In today's message from Luke chapter 9, Pastor David challenges us to examine our motives and behavior to determine exactly just who is leading us. Are we quick to condemn and point out flaws, or are we forgiving? Are our words edifying, or do they slash through the air like a knife? When we resist the spirit of the world and yield to the spirit of the Lord, we prove that we are truly Christ's disciples. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Spirit of the World. sink down into your ears. <laughs> Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, listen to me. Listen. Pay attention. Let this sink into you. He said, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they didn't understand his sayings. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about his sayings. Everyone was amazed at what was going on, and I believe, again, the disciples were amazed. They were ready for him to go ahead and take over authority and leadership within Judaism at that point in time. They were, they were looking for a king. Don't deceive yourself. They were looking for a king, just like all the Jews. That's why they never did quite get the fact that Jesus was going to be crucified. It never did really click into them, even though time and time and time again, he continued to tell them. Here in the midst of all of their excitement, Jesus again speaks to them, hey, very soon I'm going to be betrayed. And for whatever reason, still, the disciples missed it. We could try to explain it while they were distracted by things, but the thing is, I believe the disciples had other plans in mind. They were totally separate from the plans and the purpose of God. And you see, they had yet to fully surrender their plans. They had surrendered their lives to the Lord, but not their plans. And beloved, this is the beginning of a very dangerous position for the child of God. And way too many believers today, we surrender our life and our eternity to him, 
but not our plans. Not really and truly our life. So that when our life goes out of direction from what our plans are, we throw up our hands and we say, what are you doing, God? What's happening in my life? And we get all stressed and and bent out of shape because things aren't going what? According to our plan. But you see, if I'm fully surrendered to him, and I know that he is sovereign and powerful over all of his creation, and I'm going this way, and I believe this is the way I ought to be going, and this is what I think this is what God wants in my life, and suddenly I find myself, I'm turned over here, not because of sin, but because of situations that have suddenly come into my life, and my plans have suddenly been shifted. Do I then cry out in anger or frustration, or do I simply say, Lord, I'm yours, whatever direction this might take me. Some of you, along with us, your, your, your plans uh, for this year had gotten shifted and, and changed, and we just need to be understanding in that and say, Lord, we're yours, and our, our tomorrow is yours. We continue on. Because they had not surrendered their plans, there was a lot of side issues that we're going to continually be struggling with, and that is that desire for position that fear of any kind of competition within their lives, and that lack of compassion. You see, they, they, they wanted the Lord for salvation, but they had yet to fully surrender. Look at the first one of these, this desire for position. It comes right away, verse 46. It says that then a dispute arose among them as to which one of them would be the greatest. Again, you've got to see almost the humor in this. Guys, I'm going to be betrayed, and I'm going to be crucified. Yeah, but which one of us is going to be greater in your kingdom? It's kind of like, hello. It's not even registering at all. Jesus perceived the thought in their heart, and he took a little child, sat him by him, and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you will be great. This is a battle the disciples fought all the way to the upper room. All the way to the upper room where they they were still arguing who's going to be the greatest. And what did Jesus do? He humbled himself and began washing their dirty feet. He took upon himself the the position of the lowest servant of a household and began to wash their feet. They wanted an honored position in the kingdom. It wasn't that they wanted to serve. No. No. I mean, that would have been commendable to them, but that's not the case. They wanted a place of prominence, and they wanted a place of prominence above the other guy, okay? They, you know, I I want a better position than Dan. I I want a better position than Bob. And they got into this continued argument. And here, Luke, we simply read, a dispute arose among them as to which one of them would be the greatest. But we understand from Mark's version of the same event that this dispute had been going on for quite a while. Even as they walked from the city of Capernaum all along down into the area of Samaria where they were headed. They had been arguing, Mark says, along the road, disputing among themselves which would be greatest. And this was born out of sheer pride. Aren't you glad that Christians don't have pride today? (laughs) That we've gotten over this thing. But pride places ourselves above another. And we realize from the context of of, of what was written here and the context of Jesus' response that this argument definitely wasn't, you know, oh, Peter, I I think really you ought to be the head guy because you've got so many talents. No, it wasn't an argument about who, which one of you ought to be better. No, it's about me being better, about me being exalted. 
No, uh, it's not about either any of them lifting the others up. It's about each one trying to put themselves in this place. Here and all the way to the upper room, they had the same deal. It's not a heart of a servant. It's not a heart of humility. And it's definitely not the heart of Jesus. And it's not the spirit of Christ working in them. That's the spirit of the world working within the child of God. And that's a dangerous thing, a dangerous thing. Jesus took the opportunity to, to again, show them an, an object lesson, this small child. He was saying, in essence, that in his kingdom, the example of greatness is a little child, helpless, dependent, without status, and living by faith. You're totally depending upon God to take care of things for you. Living life in faith that, Lord, my life is yours. I depend upon you for everything. That's the heart of a true servant of Christ. That's the spirit of Christ working in an individual's life. It's an important factor for you and I to continually remember. Don't lose sight of that object lesson that Jesus shows. The disciples pride and their desire for position showed a lack of love and a lack of concern for each other. They were more concerned about their own place and about their own position than they were about the place and the position of their brothers. And that lack of love was also demonstrated in their response to those that were outside this group of 12. Look at what the next situation is. Verse 49, this fear of competition. Now, John answered, you remember John, yeah, he was one of the two that, or three that had the mountaintop experience, okay? They had been with the Lord, yeah, man, they had had this, this great spiritual time, and now they're coming down, and now here's the attitude of John. Listen to what he says, verse 49. Now, John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade them because he does not follow us. And Jesus says, good job, John. No, that's not what he says. Jesus said to him, don't forbid him, for he who's not against us is on our side. Can you imagine having that kind of an attitude? Lord, I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something powerful in your name. They're, they're setting people free from bondages over there, Lord. They're casting out demons in your name, and apparently they were successful, otherwise he wouldn't be saying anything about it. Lord, they're doing all this great work for you, and their church attendance is huge, and they're not even a Calvary chapel, Lord. So we, 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 we cut them off. Hey, it's funny, but it's true. How easy it is to put down another fellowship because they do things a little bit different than us, because their worship is a little bit different, their administration is a little bit different, but you know what? They're part of the body of Christ, and if they're doing a good work for the Lord, then we ought to be applauding them. We ought to be encouraging them. Sometimes we have that problem. I'm not talking about, you know, churches that spout off heresies and false doctrines. I'm talking about those that are simply just a little bit different. Because they're a little bit different, all too often we bring all kinds of accusations against them and we pull away from them as our brothers and sisters. But beloved, the time is too short, the need is too great, and the darkness is too widespread. 
we, as part of the body of Christ, we need to come together with other believers and brothers and sisters within the kingdom of God, within our community, to make a difference to a dark and dying world. We are not called to be the only game in town. There are other churches in this community that are professing Christ as the only way of salvation, and we need to stand with them. We need to encourage them. We need to walk hand in hand with them because the world is lost and dying, and we're not making big enough headway ourselves, so we need to be encouraging one another. Jesus was very clear when he spoke to his disciples. He says, he who is not against us is for us. He also spoke to the fact that they'll know you are my disciples by your love for one another within your own congregation. That's not really what he said. He says, by your love for one another as a brother and sister in Christ, regardless, I believe, of the congregation. Are we able to declare that? Are we able to live with brothers and sisters who are fighting the good fight and yet uh, may not be a part of our own church or our own denomination? One of the things that I really strive to do is people through the years have have left our church. I'm fully aware of that. Um, Some have left because of me. I don't understand that myself, but it happens, okay? I like me, so it happens. But I try to leave the door open. I try to, again, because, well, number one, it's a pretty small town, okay? You see it. But at the same time, I know that my, they're my brother and sister. They may not like the style of the ministry. They may not like different things within the ministry. They, they've gone someplace else. But I still want to encourage them as my brother and sister, and you ought to be doing the same thing. We ought to be encouragers of brothers and sisters in Christ. And hopefully you know me well enough. I'm I'm not talking about denying or laying aside the essentials of the faith. I'm saying in the essentials, we need to have unity. We need to understand that. In the non-essentials, though, there needs to be liberty. But in all things, there needs to be love Okay, for the body of Christ. Fear of competition leads to division. It could even be within the same church not willing to work with, not willing to serve under someone. Because if I serve under someone, they might think that I'm less than that individual. You know what? That's what Christ said we ought to be doing. We ought to be lifting up someone else. And if you're mature in the Lord, then you ought to look for someone that's, uh, again, not as mature and maybe not as well equipped and come under them and encourage them and lift them up. That's what we're supposed to be. Well, because of selfishness and pride, Too many times we don't want to do that. And beloved, those are ugly things to have in the life of the child of God, selfishness and pride. The next area, real quickly, we see a lack of compassion, a lack of compassion. Verse 51 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they, the the Samaritans, the village there, they did not receive him because his face was set to journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, okay, this is the same John and his brother James, both of them had been up on the mountain, okay? James and John saw this. They came to the Lord and they said, Lord, Again, a great spiritual thing they say. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just like Elijah did? 
They even brought in a, a biblical precedent and said, you know, this, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. But what did Jesus say? He, he turned and he rebuked them. And he says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. In essence, what he's saying, you know what? You're being led by the spirit of this world and not by the spirit of Christ, not by the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 56, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So they just went on to another village. Jesus had a focus, okay, that could not be deterred. He was headed to Jerusalem. There's no doubt about that. Set his face like a flint. We don't know which village he came to. We do know that earlier on he'd gone to a village in Samaria where the woman at the well was. We know that. And that there was, again, all the men of the village came out and, and Jesus ministered to that village for a while. I don't believe it was that village. Some say, well, it might have been. We don't know. He just came to a village of the Samaritans. We don't know why suddenly they, they got upset. Perhaps they wanted him to stay for a few days and minister to them, but he wasn't going to be able to. No, I'm, I'm passing through. I'm only going to be here for a short while. And so they got upset and, and, and in essence said, well, if you're not going to stay for a long time, then don't even stay. They, they rejected him. We don't know the situation, but what we do know is that once they understood that his face was set to go to Jerusalem, they did not receive him. They did not welcome him. And this infuriated these disciples. James and John, you remember their other name, the sons of compassion, right? No, the, the sons of thunder is what James and John are called. And they wanted to command fire to come down. They wanted to consume them. Can you feel the love? Can you feel the compassion in these guys? When you like these guys serving, you know, in your church, you know, that kind of compassion, that kind of love. Let me ask you, whose place is it to judge? Whose place is it to condemn? It's not yours. It's not James and John's, and it's not yours and I either. It's God's place. And even now, as, as the time draws closer and closer for our Lord's second coming, for he is coming to take the church, for the rapture of the church, beloved, there is so much hate that is flowing through the body of Christ. And we see it over and over and over. But as we read our Bibles, we need to understand that the lines of difference between those who truly know Christ and those who are simply acquainted with the storyline, they're going to become more and more refined. And I believe that we're seeing that right now before our very eyes. All too often, the world sees and hears these hate-filled statements coming from believers. It might be emails, it might be blogs, it might be Facebook posts, yeah, and it might be even sermons. Coming from those who profess to be children of God, ambassadors of Christ to a lost and dying world. But beloved, that's not the spirit of Christ that's flowing through them. That is the spirit of the world. The psalmist declared, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, O Lord. And I wonder when Christians write in their Facebook or in emails or blogs, do they remember that? Do they put that at the very top? Say, man, let the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, Lord. Let the typing of my fingers, let the posts that I put be acceptable to you, Lord. Jesus told him, you, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. That is the spirit of the world 
working within the life of the child of God. And beloved, that ought not be. Oh, but Jesus, we were just defending you. Flash this morning. Jesus does not need you to defend him. Okay? Jesus has called you and I to declare him to the nations, not to defend him. Especially not in that way. Hey, let's wipe them all out and God will sort it out. No, that's not the spirit of God. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. The church has been guilty way too many times. We're called to be like Jesus, to declare and to live out the faith to a lost and a dying world, to accept a wrong and to bless and to not curse. That's, man, we can't get around that. That's what the word calls for us to be. It's not what my flesh wants, okay? My flesh wants to cry out. My flesh wants to attack. But that's the spirit of the world working within the child of God. And yes, I know that there needs to be a balance. I, I understand that. There, there needs to be personal safety. There needs to be family protection. There needs to be concern for our national security. I understand that. But in the midst of all of that, do you know what manner of spirit you are of? Jesus set the record straight when he reminded them in verse 56. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. And beloved, that's the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit that ought to be driving every one of us. We see the other spirit at work all over our world today. The spirit that calls for people to deny Christ or lose your life. And we look at the world today, the world is filled with evil and evil people. But you know what? My Bible also tells me that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. His delight is for them to change and to come to him. Our God is a God of reconciliation. We see evil and wicked spirit busily about the world. We look at the Middle East. Deny Christ or lose your life. ISIS and the enemies of Christ and Judaism calling for their annihilation. It's not the spirit of godliness. That's a demonic spirit. We know that. That's the manner of spirit that's working within the world today. And it's the spirit of this world that's at work even within the child of God when we are more concerned about position or fear of competition or when there is a lack of compassion within our lives. It's the very same spirit working within us. May the Lord place within us that spirit of Christ, that spirit of Christ that drives us to humility, and to service, and to compassion. When they crucified our Christ, even the ones that drove the nails into his hands and his feet, Christ said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The fact is, is we need to be people above all other people of the world who have compassion, who have the spirit of Christ rather than the spirit of the world working within us. May Christ work in you His glory by filling you with His Spirit and you being obedient 
to the work and the move of that spirit within your life. Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.